Test, test one, two, test. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Nice to be back. Uh, boy, oh, boy. Busy week. What are we on Wednesday? It's Valentine's Day today. Huh? Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Love is in the air. I know, I know I'm a loving person, and we only do loving podcasts here. So I've invited a couple of lovers onto the show. He's got- uh please uh welcome to the program uh once again a friend of mine a friend of yours as well he's the lead columnist for canada's national observer mr max fawcett hey lover yeah lover yeah that's 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 how they that's how they call me yeah yeah you know lover, i got a lover not a fighter my least favorite words in the english language lover like it's like well that's like you never hear people say they refer to partners like now you, you, no one says lover i wish I wish that we could just ban that from the English language. It just creeps me out when someone's like, oh, this is my lover so-and-so. And it's happened. I feel like that's a Protestant thing. I feel like if you go to Quebec, people are totally happy to call people their lovers. Really? I think so. I think that's a Protestant thing. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, but I, 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 think, it's, I think we're being weird. That and the word tummy, I've always disliked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Max is here, uh, lead columnist for Canada's National Observer. We do this little thing from time to time called Versus because Max is very bright because Max is a lead columnist of probably the best digital publication in North America. At least it's one of my favorite. Uh, and obviously he's far more educated than me and can put a few sentences together. Plus he reads way more than me. Uh, we like to have him on the program to start talking about getting out of silos. And then it ends up becoming this thing called Versus, which is what we do with Max Fawcett and today's guest. Versus Max Fawcett, the CEO of uh, Bitcoin Well. Please welcome. Uh, Mr. Adam O'Brien to the show. Adam, nice to see you as well. How are you on this Valentine's Day? Well, I'm sad they didn't call me your lover. So now I feel like oh, I didn't call neglected. Max my lover. I said he was a lover. Uh, right? Not to be confused. Understood. Correct. Someone's Understood. lover. Yeah. Preferably <laughs> his wife. Uh, do you guys, do you, now I know Max is married. So you got any plans for your wife for Valentine's Day? You going to do anything special? Uh, yeah. No, I got plans. I've got plans. Secret plans? Uh, Are you one of those guys? It's like no, 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 no. Time, it's you know? not. It's not secret plans, but like I don't, I don't want to get into a Valentine's Day arms race or anything. <laughs> Dude, I did almost nothing this year, so it wouldn't be an arms race. It was just me trying I mean, to figure, get your ideas a, and steal them. That's it. No, no. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bullshit holiday, but you know, uh, you still gotta, you still gotta do it, and I do it with love and and happy to do it, but uh, yeah, I do. I don't like the Hallmark holidays. Let's just put it that way. This feels sort of Hallmark adjacent. You feel the same way, Adam? You got a loved one that you're regretting doing Valentine's Day with this year? No, no, no regrets. I like. I've got a wife of ten years, and I love her dearly. And I don't need. I don't show her that one day a year. I show her that 365 days a year. And it's like I totally agree. It is. It is completely. I want to ask her the question to see if you're telling the truth. Oh, she would tell you publicly very, very similar things. What she might say, you know, in closed doors, I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. public truth is that I am correct. <laughs> okay. So happy that you're both here. Let's try and love a little more than we're going to hate. I've watched you guys go at it on Twitter for quite some time. Adam is the CEO of a publicly traded company called Bitcoin Well. Uh, I've done a little reading on Bitcoin Well. Bitcoin Well 
to me, it's a publicly traded company. It's an exchange, right? You're an influencer. You've got an exchange. You help people get into Bitcoin. Can you describe that real quick? Because you and Max seem to go back and forth on this from time to time. Yeah. Pl platform versus exchange. The nuance in there is just that we don't hold coins. So an exchange implies that you send us your coins yeah. and then we'll help you trade them. We're a yeah. retailer. We're a direct-to-consumer we do not engage. Like our mission is to enable independence and okay. you can't be independent when someone else has your money. When'd you get into Bitcoin? 2013. 2013. And are you all in? Are you one of those guys? It's like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I, I ride for Bitcoin. I got a publicly traded company. I think you did 3.4 million last year. Is that correct? According to your public books, I'm uh, saying, so it's, a, it's a going concern, if you will, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. The, is is all of your money in Bitcoin? Everything that you have in Bitcoin? Yeah, like my net worth, I would say, is tied up in either Bitcoin or like the company. Um, so I'm definitely Bitcoin or Bitcoin adjacent. But it's interesting. Like it didn't start that way. Like when you learn about Bitcoin, you run down this rabbit trail of you know the economy and how money works and the history of money, and then even further, like our mission to enable independence. You might think, how does that have anything to do with Bitcoin? Or, you know, maybe there's a silo of financial independence, but like you start to realize and understand how little freedoms the modern society actually has and how that's detrimental to to humanity as a as a whole. You libertarian? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of like labels. Um, I I don't think I'm like I don't subscribe to any political party. I don't think I think politicians are a joke. Um, I think there's there's no good outcome that comes from like, you think no political parties political parties or businesses just out for your tax dollar is that correct i've yet to see uh uh an, an efficient use of taxpayer money from a politician okay, okay. well I, I i would i'm just trying to get some backstory here because you hate regulation right uh max is is really an expert in policy and regulation you don't like fiat money, and I believe you've been debanked from every bank in Canada. Is that correct? Every major bank. I, I should clarify. There is one credit union in Alberta that has graciously, after we went publicly traded, yeah. graciously granted me the privilege of paying them $27 a month to hold my money with them and for them to give me limited access to it. Yes. Okay. So my understanding of you is you were all into Bitcoin uh, you're a renegade. You don't like regulations. You cannot bank anywhere other than one bank in Alberta, which you have to pay to allow you them the privilege of managing your money, which seems a little ridiculous. So Max is, you know, you guys are diametrically opposed to everything I know, know about Max, right? <laughs> so Max, knowing what you know about Adam, um, how do you look at him? Because you guys go at it on Twitter. And I think it's, by the way, it's epic because you both are like on totally ep different ends of the spectrum. But how do you look at a guy like Adam? Do you look at him as a Bitcoin maximalist? Do you look at him as he's like uh, selling a dream, uh, knowing what we know about Bitcoin and crypto specifically over the past couple of years? But what is your issue with him? I think Adam is a very effective advocate and a very... Um, uh, charismatic advocate for a particular worldview and a particular sort of way of thinking about, about money and about society. It just happens to be a view that I categorically reject. So one of the nice things about, about living in a society and free society in Canada, and it is a free society, whether people want to acknowledge that or not, is that you can have different views. You can believe different things. Um, I think it's kind of crummy that the bank's 
uh, apparently won't won't extend him credit or 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 offer him an account. Um, again, that's sort of somewhere where regulation should fall into place and and prevent that from happening. But I, uh, we can agree to disagree on on how we steward our own private lives, on how we steward our own uh, financial investments. It's just the the difference is. I'm not out here saying that he's going to be bankrupt. He's going to lose everything. He's going to be destitute. And I'm going to be lording over it with my fiat money. And he will have to come to me for help. And that is sort of the implicit message in his vision of, you know, the banking system is going to fail. Only people with Bitcoin are going to be in good shape. Everyone else is going to be fucked. Uh, it's just there, there's kind of a, uh, an ugliness that, that is just barely underneath the surface of that so, vision of the way the world works. So just... I, I wouldn't mind, um, to, to be clear, I have no problem with what the banks have done to me. Um, I believe well, why have they? Business. Why have they? And, and, and I, I want you to answer that, but why have they done it to you? Explain that to me. Well, they won't say. What they say is that they've decided to end the banking relationship. And if I have further questions, they can call. And then I call. Do you not call? No, of course I call. I've got, I've got actually a two-hour recorded phone call with the bank where we went around in circles and they then told me that they had to talk to compliance and they'd go away and then say that it, that I was outside of their compliance policy, which I would ask, what is their compliance policy? They would say they couldn't disclose that to me. So like, it's, it's a little bit black box, but again, no problem. Private business. Did you go to the, did you go to the convoy you? per chance? Uh, no, no. Did you donate to them? Uh, I think I gave some Bitcoin to directly to someone who was helping the convoy um access their 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 money yeah and is that money. when you were debanked no no i've been debanked since 2016 like the oh, first okay. time so i got was a convoy thing yeah oh it was nothing with the convoy no okay, okay. um no I, I would i wouldn't never donate money in like fiat currency i think that's just like a slap in the face kind of like giving someone a you know like a, a rancid steak for dinner it's like well you're feeding me but it's not very healthy um, but I believe private businesses should have the ability to do what they like. The, the, the ironic thing is that you can't pay your taxes in cash. So I can simultaneously be debanked, have no access to the traditional banking system, but then the government has mandated that I have to pay my taxes through the banking system. So here's where like the irony comes into play of government, like making these dumb regulations. Like for example, you have to pay taxes in cash and then giving, and then not having a way to uh, simultaneously give me an avenue to do that, which is which is the goofy part, in my opinion. So which is, again, so you've been debanked by every major bank with no explanation. Yes. Like I got the letters. That, Max? It. Well, no, I What's don't. That? It's not like I don't disbelieve you. I'm just I'm asking Max. Is, is this? Have you ever heard of that? Um, I haven't, but I haven't gone looking for stories like that. I mean, um, Kanye was debanked no. without explanation too. Sorry. Kanye was debanked without explanation. We all like we're all making assumptions that it's because of his crazy right wing, like insane rants and public figure that he was debanked. Yeah. But but like like let's let's be super clear. The banks have the ability to debank whomever they like at any point in time. Do yes, they agree to, agree to disagree? So okay. Yeah, and this is this is uh, it's an interesting little wrinkle here that we're touching on, right? Is you, you you're not allowed to have a bank account with the exception of one bank in Alberta, which is great. And if, the, if indeed you're telling me the truth and you've been debanked and they won't tell you why by every major bank, there's got to be a reason behind it other than the fact that they just don't want to explain it to you. And if, well, no, the, imagine, the reason is very clearly Bitcoin, right? I think we can deduce that. Like, like they won't let you cash money out and put it in into a bank account? No, from they, won't let, they won't let me. And some banks even won't let my wife deposit 
like regular checks from grandma to pay Epcor for our power bill. Like it's not just Bitcoin transactions. Like Adam O'Brien, like if I walked into the TD bank and said, Hey, can I open up an account? They'd look up my name, take my ID. Oh no, you can't like you're and funny enough, TD specifically originally gave me a seven year ban. So I wait the seven years, like a good boy. I then go into TD and say, Hey, I'm Adam O'Brien. Can I open up an account? They say, Oh yeah, sure. Let's go through. And then I go into the office. They say, Oh, your seven year ban has been extended for life. I said, Oh, how come? I haven't done any transactions with TD in seven years. It was seven years. Why is it life? Oh, I don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> and Thoughts, Max? Uh, I mean, look, I feel like that's a story that a journalist should probably chase down at some point because people shouldn't be arbitrarily debanked simply because they invest in a, uh, you know, a different asset class or have a different view of the banking system. Um, my experience with banks, and, and I'm probably a much less exotic customer than Adam, is that uh, they tend to want my business uh, because I have things like a mortgage and loans and I have checking accounts and I make investments and they love those fees uh, and they love to take my money and put it into their bank accounts. So you know, that's sort of my view of, of the way the banking system tends to operate is they want to make as much money as possible. And that's why they're trying to sort of get their claws into uh, into the Bitcoin trade now, because they can see that there's there's profit to be made in, in the transactions there. And it's a new line of business for them. I I find it hard to believe that they would be doing this arbitrarily or that they would be doing this sort of as some sort of you know, conspiracy where they're all talking to each other and saying, hey, don't give this Adam guy in Edmonton any banking services. Um, but if that's the case, that's a, that's a great story. Uh, yeah, you know, I, CBC, CBC Edmonton should be all over that. I don't think it's got to do, I, I think it's the banks individually not liking, you know, probably either what I do for a living or the industry that I currently work in. Um, right, but you've, but Adam, what, like, I've, I've seen the annual reports for your company. Like you take home a pretty decent sized compensation package surely they would want a piece of that surely they would look at that and be like hey this guy makes money like we should try to get him to have some accounts at our institution so we can get some fee revenue makes you wonder i think what you said though i totally agree with uh when you said banks shouldn't be allowed to arbitrarily to arbitrarily debank someone and but yeah. then you finished it with for a certain industry or what they invest in but mm -hmm. let's finish that off what should a bank be allowed to arbitrarily debank somebody for? Well, it's not arbitrary. They, they should be and are allowed to debank people for criminal activity. Okay, um, criminal activity. What a, about for holding a certain clear. viewpoint? No, absolutely not. So yeah, not. what about what about for saying certain distasteful things? Nope. Nope. No. You should not be able to debank people for having shitty opinions. So uh, that is currently they, because if they, in our society, right? No, it's not. It's not. No, well, Kanye well, West is a great example of that. Kanye is not debanked. Uh, I guarantee you that there's, I guarantee you there's a JP Morgan like closed because of the things that he said. Yeah, JP Morgan. That's one financial institution. They decided but they did should not a want... bank be allowed to close someone's account because of what they said? You, you a, just bank is, a bank is a an individual bank is allowed to decide if someone is a business risk for them reputationally that they do not want to do business with them. Oh, so now we're getting into Kanye West. Kanye West is a bit of a uh, uh, disingenuous example because. No one else is like Kanye West. No one else has his profile. No one else has his uh, his potential impact. Regular customers holding private opinions. No, they shouldn't be debanked for that, and they're not. That's the good news. Yeah, but I, I listen. I and and again, I know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to grab one extreme example, and you're trying to use it as a best case because it happened once or it happened twice. But to Max's point, 
Um, I did some research, which is, you know, I rarely ever come into these podcasts without actually having some kind of idea of what I'm talking about. And to Max's point, uh, the only reason why any bank tells anybody that they can't bank there is due to any kind of criminal activity or the perception of criminal activity. Right. So, oh, so that's, isn't that dangerous? The perception? Because what? Well, no. We that so that's perception. what I would ask you. That's kind of the question I would ask you about your banking. And then I want to get into regulations um, because it's important. It's part of the conversation. Um, but like, is, is there not, have they not shared any of that information with you? Is there anything in your banking past that might not be financially legal? No, I like, how? <laughs> I, that's what I'm asking you because the no, only way not. that like, I'm aware of that a bank can, can take someone's privilege to bank with no, them but because we just banks said are money-making businesses this is, is exactly criminal point. activity. It's the criminal activity. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. But the perception, the, the, the moving perception yeah. is the problem because criminal activity and the perception of criminal activity is like you, you can't charge someone for being perceived as something. They have to be convicted. Of yeah, that's not a conviction. That's a private bank that's allowed to say whatever they want and do whatever they want to that point. But the rules and regulations of private banking dictate that they only get people out of the business of banking. They only say no to people that have your kind of money if indeed there's something in their background that they're not willing to risk because wow. of either and somehow some kind of it's not past all the auditors and Maybe. the TMX. <laughs> and well, listen, the, uh, the stock exchange isn't exactly uh a bastion of truthful financial dealings either. So, you know, and we all yeah, know that. Sure. I mean, if you want to accuse me of being a criminal, have that. No, I no, I'm saying, I'm, dude, I'm saying like, hey, listen, I know a lot of people, bad, very bad people that have shell companies. I know a lot of very good people that on these stock exchange, New York Stock Exchange, Toronto Stock Exchange. I know a lot of people that have publicly traded companies that are what they say they are to an extent. Um, and I know how-, how Do they have banks? Lots of them do. I'm sure they all. I'm sure they all do. No. I find your situation incredibly <laughs> unique, though. I'm not. I'm not suggesting anything. I just find it incredibly unique. Let's get to regulation. I would, I would just let me just say this. I would yeah. suggest that for someone like Adam, uh, who is who is an entrepreneur who's trying to establish a reputation uh, and an image for himself, not having a bank account might be a good thing. It might be a, a, a kind of proof point for him of saying, "See." The, the banks won't even give me a bank account and I'm the CEO of this company. So that's why you have to invest in something like Bitcoin. I think perhaps there might be a bit of uh, branding uh, at work here uh, with with this sort of notion that he can't get a bank account. I think it suits him in some respects to to have people believe that he can't get a bank account. Um, that would be my sort of supposition. I don't think there's anything criminal or illegal going on. I think it's just yeah, I don't think he, doesn't, so he doesn't want it. Well, it makes life quite difficult, um, but sure. <laughs> You're right. I, I, it's it is fascinating. It is Someone needs to look into your story. Out of a bank account. And uh, that is part of the reason why we've had to innovate so hard at Bitcoin Well to make people have the ability to be able to buy, sell, and use Bitcoin, a money that cannot be frozen. Um, that is part of what drives our mission to enable independence. Absolutely. is is my personal dealings over the last decade with the banks. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact-check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact-check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, 
want to beta test their product, they're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. Back to the show. Okay, so so here's a question I have. Because listen, I, I agree with Max. Like if the, your situation is what you say it is, it's a fucking huge story. The fact that just Let's because go. you're deep into Bitcoin in an industry that there that is largely unregulated, right? Which regulations are coming? Not largely unregulated that. at all. It's it's like I'm heavily, heavily, heavily regulated with like a money service business license. We have an AMF license in Quebec. I'm like a law-abiding citizen that pays taxes. Like like we're heavily regulated. Okay, Canada, but why you got into it because you hate regulations, correct? Uh, no, no, no. You, I got into Bitcoin at first because I was fascinated by the technology, and then it led me down this rabbit trail of how money actually works and how the history of money and how the history of the economy is not necessarily programmed for the individual. Bitcoin mm -hmm. is the obvious answer to giving the individual as much freedom and independence as possible. And that's what I'm about. I'm about independence and freedom. Yeah. But in a, you, you know, it's about to be more heavily regulated if I'm not to understand that correctly, Max, the, you know, the, the Bitcoin or Bitcoin, the, the crypto you market. You can't regulate Bitcoin. You can regulate the services around Bitcoin just like the internet, like we cannot regulate the internet. We can regulate the service providers that give us access to the internet. But if you're savvy enough, you can sort out how to access the internet and bypass the service providers. Same thing. Yeah, with but Bitcoin. what? It so what you're talking about is the is the supposed you know liberation uh, of people from government oversight, right? And now you're talking about it being highly regulated. So how 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 do those two things fit together? So the ability to regulate easy on and off ramps to Bitcoin currently exists. And yeah. Canada actually is one of the, I think they've done one of the best jobs at regulating Bitcoin where they've kept it relatively uh, similar to uh, the, like, the existing money market, gold, commodities, et cetera, et cetera. But if I go and shovel somebody's driveway for $10 and they pay me $10 in Bitcoin, not through a bank, not because uh, they asked Bitcoin well or a company that sells Bitcoin to send they literally have Bitcoin, send it directly to me. And then I take that $10 and I go to a butcher and I buy $10 worth of ground beef. And then that butcher takes that Bitcoin and goes and gets his haircut. And that hairdresser takes his Bitcoin and goes and buys some, some electricity. Like you, we, we see how a circular economy, there's been no need for, for any centralized services in that. We're all utilizing the Bitcoin protocol um, and we didn't have to ask anybody's permission to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But isn't, isn't that kind of a fantasy? I mean, I remember yeah. um, when, we were, when I was covering uh, I was a different Bitcoin entrepreneur uh, for Alberta Venture Magazine a decade ago and talking about how he had this, this dream that, you know, we would all be transacting in Bitcoins with small businesses and then we'd go to, you know, we'd go to the taco shop and they'd take our Bitcoin. And of course, what these businesses have all realized, the ones that tried to experiment with it, is that it's not nearly as efficient or clean as just dealing with cash or dealing with credit, um, even with the sort of, you know, the merchant fees that come with with processing credit cards and you know, all but the a tiny handful of, of businesses, small businesses in particular, will want to have anything to do with Bitcoin. So it's not really working as a medium of exchange. It's really only serving as a medium of, of speculation or a medium of, of asset allocation. Uh, so this idea that like, the butcher would take the Bitcoin and give it to the hairdresser who would give it to the flower shop. Like that, that's kind of a utopian fantasy, isn't it? No, I, I think it's quite a, quite a reality. And we're living in the reality right now. I totally agree that in North America, especially Visa and MasterCard are incredible. They, 
They do very, very good. They're um, to the point where we don't even accept cash anymore. I had 50 bucks in my pocket just about a year ago now. I went to go buy a sandwich and uh, the lady wouldn't take my $50 bill to look at that thumbs up to to buy a, a sandwich. Like it's just like we've gone so far that it's only Visa and MasterCard accepted. But when you travel outside, I was just in Costa Rica and I went to this little Bitcoin circular economy in Costa Rica. I had zero local currency. All I had was Bitcoin and I was able to live there. Well, live there, like travel there for a week with my family where all of our meals are, are everything except for our lodging. I, I bought through Airbnb with a credit card, but ironically, I paid that credit card off with Bitcoin like later that month. So I don't think it's a fallacy. I think because it's decentralized, uh, it takes a lot longer for, for things to happen, but there's things within the protocol that are currently happening. Like in Vancouver right now, there's over 200 merchants that accept Bitcoin in Vancouver. I'm meeting tomorrow actually with a, with a rancher or Thursday. Yeah. Tomorrow with, with a rancher who wants to accept Bitcoin. They're a, they're a direct to consumer, uh, uh, beef ranch and they're going to accept Bitcoin for beef. So no, I don't think it's a fallacy. I think it takes longer than centralized financial institutions to get there. But I do think in the next five to 10 years, it will be a completely viable option in, uh, in, like in the world. So actually, you don't have a problem with it being, go ahead. Sorry. We're a decade in, and Vancouver is a very sort of tech-savvy uh, city. It's you know sort of a bit of a frontier culture that way. And there's only 200 merchants in the entire city who accept Bitcoin. Like you're you're basically consigning yourself to living in like the the modern equivalent of like a Soviet economy where there's like only a small. You have one butcher shop you can go to and one flower shop, and then that's it. You have no choice. You have no power as a consumer if you're locked into this sort of Bitcoin economy. I, I like, how is that good for the person holding Bitcoin? Do you know when the internet protocol was invented? No. So it was like, well, the early, early days of the internet protocol is 1960s. 1980 mm. is kind of when the internet like really came to be maybe seen as something that could one day be viable for retail. But it wasn't until 2000, even like 2010, that we kind of had communications via internet. And then really... 2015 would you disagree like were uh, you were you piling on the sms messages and 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 emails in 1995 <laughs> yes i was in high school i sure was really you sent 500 yeah. emails a day not 500 emails a day but we had our email accounts okay well good for you i think you were probably in the early adopter phase like i am for bitcoin and i think that your your mom at the time or your grandma or like whatever the average populace was like ah no need for this fancy Bitcoin or this this fancy email uh, thing. It's garbage. I've got my letters and I've got my telephone, so I can uh, I can go there and I've got a, I've got an extra long cord on my telephone. So remember those? I do. Yeah. I remember those. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only ever had cordless phones, but I have seen them in pictures. Yeah. Um, but oh, really? but you're that young. Hands. You didn't have a phone attached to the wall that had a 40 foot code cord, so you get some privacy in your room. Max and I grew up no. like that. We we experienced. Uh, prehistoric communication. Um, but Max, let me ask you a question. And, and, and because listen, I don't understand Bitcoin anywhere near as much as you understand Bitcoin. But as a technology, I do understand its purpose for, you know, disseminating money, decentralizing certain aspects, being able to get money to people quickly, all those other things. And I don't think what you're suggesting, Max, is that there's no place in our economy for Bitcoin. What I think what you're suggesting is, is that, and, and I, and I, I like what kind of what Adam's saying at the same time. 
I also know that crypto, by and large, in the industry was hijacked by Ponzi schemers, right? So we saw that crash. Um, but do you see a mixed case scenario? Like, is anything that Adam talking about here, does any of it pique your interest is like, okay, listen, I don't need to come out hard against Bitcoin. I need to come out hard against the idea that Bitcoin is going to wipe everybody out and I'm going to be the last man standing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the the metaphor, or the the sort of comparison he's using there is 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 interesting. It's one I've heard before that you know we're sort of in the you know the the early days of of the adoption of of crypto or Bitcoin the way that that we did for the internet. And I, I think there's tons of use cases, um, you know, for information storage, for you know, especially if you're in a developing country or somewhere where the monetary system is is significantly less stable. I think holding Bitcoin makes all kinds of sense. You know, if you live in a country where the government can devalue your currency overnight by 40 percent, um, you wouldn't want to hold your assets denominated entirely in that currency. But that's not the country we live in in Canada. That's not the country they live in in the United States. It's not the countries they live in in Western Europe. And I think sort of trying to import those use cases here or suggest that our system, our regulations, our governments are anything remotely close to comparable uh, to the ones in, in, say, more developing countries is just like an obvious demonstrable fallacy. Um, so, you know, in terms of, you know, sending money abroad, uh, you know, if you're, you're, you come to Canada and you want to send money back to the Philippines, yeah, use Bitcoin. I think that makes tons of sense. There's all sorts of ways that the technology can make people's lives better. But I, I think that is sort of the, the, the North Star for me is that like the, the thing about the Internet is that by and large, although social media is a different issue it it tried to make our lives better um and it sounds to me an awful lot when i talk to crypto people when i talk to bitcoin people like they're not so much interested in making lives better as they are being right and being the ones who told you so and who have you know that that they were the ones who who saw things correctly and now they've got the money and you don't and they're right and you're wrong and it's just there's an ugliness that overlays it um that that was never there with with the internet or technologies like that. Um, there's a culture around it that is just very antisocial. That is very, um, I think, in, in a lot of respects, pernicious. And that's the part that that I object to. It's not the technology. The technology can do all sorts of cool things, uh, and I'd love to see it do more cool things. Um, but you you can't divorce it from that culture because I think the culture, in some respects, drives where it's going. Adam, your thoughts. Yeah, I think, I mean, like without question, there are those personalities in Bitcoin, just like, you know, the, the religious and, uh, you know, the cornerstone milk, milk crate preacher on the corner, like he, he is a very small, bad example of what a good Christian, a good, you know, God fearing Christian should be. Um, I would argue that if someone's telling you you're going to die, um, and threatening you that way, then yeah, probably not who I would be taking advice from, but the same way, you know, climate alarmists are trying to warn all of us the world will burn up and be on fire if we stop, don't stop using plastic straws and pay extra taxes. I think that someone who is politely informing you, hey, FYI, your money is being devalued and debased, maybe not to the tune of 40% per month, but certainly a lot greater than what we are currently being told, which is evidenced by the, you know, price uh, of everything. And I think someone saying, hey, there's an alternative solution one that cannot be debased, like the sound money principles of Bitcoin are are embedded into the protocol 
um, it's probably worth checking out. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. You talk about sound money principles. What was it a year ago? Crypto went into the toilet. Bitcoin went from like $64,000 down to 16. Is that correct? Something like that, 16, 17? Yeah, more. Yeah. More 15, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Complete like <laughs> meltdown. Yeah. Meltdown. And, and, yeah. And FTX, Sam Bankman Freed, uh, CZ from Binance. He's in hot water now. These yeah. are all guys that were early. Scam artists of CZ, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, there are a lot of them out there. Bad things. Did they just give guys like you a bad reputation, or do you just do it better, and you're not willing to step out? Because here's the thing: that's the, well, that's the question I would ask. Hang on, hang on. Let me let me answer that question first, yeah, because yeah, because yeah. it's this this is an important distinction. CZ and 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 Sam Bankman Fried both sell and sold what I would call a scam coin. Anything other than Bitcoin, anything that is centralized claiming to do something in the future, like technically speaking is an illegal security at best. And at worst, it's just a straight up Ponzi scheme. So yes, we do different things because Bitcoin well is Bitcoin only. We only sell Bitcoin. Secondary, they are custodial, meaning they had to take people's money before people could transact on the platform. Whereas again, at Bitcoin well, at no point in time do we hold money ever. If we went bankrupt right now, today, I just pulled the plug, that was it, we're done. If that were the case, there would be zero customer funds lost. That is not true of almost any other platform in the world because we are so heavily committed to the independence of our customer that we've taken this, you know, arguably more difficult and more expensive non-custodial model, which is again safer for the consumer. Hmm. 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 Okay. So okay. I understand that, but what it doesn't doesn't really address because it's still the same business. It's still the same technology. These were people that bad people took advantage of good technology, told people what it is that they wanted to hear. Uh, I've watched countless. I have friends who have gotten divorced over putting a ton of money into Bitcoin that used to <laughs> right. send me send me little yeah. email, and that was during the crash, right? So they would send me these 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 voicemails. Hey, dude, you missed out. You didn't buy the dip. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be all right. And that was at 52,000. Then it was like, buy the dip. It's down to 46,000. I'm like, yeah, hey, right. And then they went silent at about 30,000. And then totally. their divorces happened at around 20,000. And then they came looking for money from me, fiat money, at 16,000. And I'm like, ooh, no, it doesn't work like that. That's totally. not what I'm doing. So have they given you a bad name? Or is this industry still a mystery? Because still we a mystery, to the climate part. Ten, it's not ten years into a life changing, world changing. Okay, yeah, protocol. I know that. But well, hold it, hold it, hold it. There's a PR play. Let me. Let me. Yeah, let me just get. get I, I know, let me finish. So there's a PR play here. I watch guys like Greg Foss, who doesn't talk about Bitcoin a whole lot anymore, by the way, lose his ass. Right. And then continually stump and tell people, keep putting money in, keep putting money in. Don't worry. We keep putting it. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. This is for people who have the gumption to stay in this business. I, I watched friends go bankrupt. I, I literally watched it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's Bitcoin's problem, but I'm saying to Max's point about the culture, sure, the PR culture, that was a PR war, getting people to shove money into exchanges. Was it not? And isn't that something that you're going to be dealing with a long time? Because guys like Max and I, we 100%. understand mixed case scenarios. We do. You were talking about your space heater, which is a Bitcoin miner. I'm like, yeah, I should get one of those little fuckers. That'd be a lot of fun. I, I, you know, or a computer that might be able to heat your house while it's mining Bitcoin. All these beautiful things you talk about. I think there's great concepts out there. But I just can't get over, like Max can't, 
that culture. And so there's this lack of trust when it comes to the subject. And I hope you understand that and can appreciate it, right? Yeah. I think I think that's that's inevitable of every technology that's ever been brought into into civilization. I mean, look at the internet, which is simultaneously used for informative conversations like this and also selling children for sex. Like we we cannot divorce um, the fact that every technology we, we 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 have to at least acknowledge that every technology, every protocol that has ever been invented, like the the serial killer drives on the same road, he's in the same car as you and I. Just because yeah, eighty percent of the happy. internet's porn, they figured that out pretty quick, didn't they? Sorry, the eighty percent of the internet's porn, they figured out how to use what was supposed to help people educate each other to use it for the worst possible reasons, right? That's and and that's kind of the point. But like, is the internet bad? Like, w- like, would our lives be better if we didn't have internet? There would be a certain pocket of pain that didn't exist, and that yeah. cannot be ignored. But I don't think that. Um, I don't think that we should just omit an entire piece of technology. And, and, and again, I think that the culture around Bitcoin needs to change. I am a high, high believer, just like, you know, as a, as a God fearing Christian individual, I don't think the guy on the street is like doing anyone, any services yelling at people, Hey, you're going to because you suck. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources, and there's going to be a weapon button too where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip. And they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. You born again? Uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Absolutely. Evangelical? I don't know what that means. Come on, like, you know what I mean. Do, I, Christian, do you go to a an alliance church? You go to a Baptist yeah. church, Methodist church, yeah. alliance? And I and I and I try to preach love, just like in Bitcoin. Like we want to understand, we need to understand what a protocol is. We need to understand what the protocol can do. We need to understand what the protocol protects against, and then mm-hmm. where its shortcomings are, and build into the shortcomings. Do you believe in Noah's Ark? This is a hard one. So do I you believe do Jonah believe- was swallowed by a whale. Do you believe Moses part of the Red Sea? Listen, I'm apostate, so we're going to go down a really dark road here in a second. Sure. <laughs> let's hit it. Let's hit okay, it. Let's go. I, the, the old biblical knowledge, I think it's very difficult to take the entire Bible literally. But I also don't think the principles of the Bible can or should be ignored. And I do think that 
if we wrapped up the entire Bible into God's image and God's plan, yeah. I think that if we bring it back to a first principles perspective, we can see why certain values of the world are required, even though in the short term, it doesn't look very good, doesn't feel very good. We can, I think, use some pretty rudimentary logic to run down a, a train of why it's important. Do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead after three days? Yes. You do? 100%. All right. I, yeah, yeah, it's an absolute disconnect for me. Um, but only, only because, only because, listen, there are a lot of people of that faith that are in the Bitcoin and crypto industry, right? There are oh, a lot of people, people I watch people that are, hang on though. You, like, well, hang on. I watched a video the other week of a pastor, an evangelical <laughs> pastor that absconded with 9 million in crypto because the Lord told him to start this exchange. Did yeah, you, that guy's uh, insane. Did you see right? that? Did you, did, just like, just like the guys that blow up planes in God's name. Also, yeah, but, but my point is, is that there's a there's a connection to Max. I don't know how you feel about this, and I know this is off topic, but there's this connection in a world of people where it's too good to be true. And I can tell you from experience as someone who's apostate, the idea that everlasting life is is a thing, the idea that eternal salvation is a thing, the idea that there's going to be this magical existence based on the sacrifice Christ made, nothing you did, all dirty rags is magical and it's magical to think that bitcoin is going to be the answer to money for everybody around the world when it is finite it is hard to understand and we've seen what people have done in that space the too good to be true aspects where you don't have to think you can you can which is really what christianity it's a matter of fact all abrahamic faiths all abrahamic faiths get to that point where they tell you listen I'm going to promise you this thing, but you got to say the sinner's prayer. You have to submit to me. That's not the me. case at all. Well, hang I, on. I let me feel finish. sad that that's your experience it, with, uh, with Christianity. That actually well, saddens it, me. It, it is and it isn't. I've had good experiences and I've had bad experiences. But from a, from a legitimate perspective of apologetics, right, is that nothing, nothing I believed growing up came with any receipts. Not one. Zero. There is no proof that not other than the Bible, which you said you can't necessarily take literally, even though it is believed to be the breathed word of God in Cannondale, whether it's the Pentateuch, the Gospels, whether it's the first five books or the first four, whether it's Revelations, whether it's Corinthians, it doesn't matter. There is no proof other than that book. There are different versions of that book. And if you understand the history of that book, it is all meant to do one thing, right? Give comfort to people. And I get it. I get it. And, and listen, I'm out of my silo. I totally understand that religion from inside out. I absolutely do. But I am, I, I'm, I'm remiss to say there's got to be this commonality between certain people that believe that there's this magical outcome that they can derive from what? No receipts. And Bitcoin sits in that area. Crypto sits in that area to me where you have to have a certain amount of faith to be able to believe. And faith you know, let's go to the dictionary. What is faith? It's the belief in something you cannot prove. And so, you know, I don't have a lot of faith There's, in Bitcoin. I've got zero faith in man-made organized religion, like zero. There are 40,000 denominations of Christianity on this planet. You believe yep. in one of them, right? Yep. I don't believe in any of them, so I believe in one less. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that it is a common trait that gets shared among people in that industry. And that trait is the belief in something they cannot prove. The, the alternative, though, to faith in God 
is faith in either nothing or faith that somehow there was a loud boom and for a split second, the law of conservation of mass was ignored, never to be ignored again. And we've got all this beauty and all this incredibleness around us from nothing. Yeah. So I think you have to have faith either way. You have faith hey, in I nothing. Don't know, I, I don't know the Earth's origin story. I really don't. I but do. I can tell you this, is that the only thing I know to be absolutely true is that nothing comes without the work. And and listen, you say that there's a, Ooh, an alternative. The Bitcoin principle, God. by the way, nothing comes I, without dude, work. Hey, I'm all in. I want to do Bitcoin after this conversation, but I want to do it right. <laughs> um, it, it, can I just just to yes, just to try yes. to bring it back uh, a little bit to Bitcoin? Um, you know, Adam says that you either have faith in God or you have faith in in nothing. You can have faith in each other. You can have faith in humanity. You can have faith in your fellow citizen and, and trust. Um, and that's kind of maybe part of the, the thing that upsets me or annoys me about Bitcoin is that it seems designed to erode trust in each other, trust in systems, trust in institutions, trust in government, trust in society. Uh, it seems to sort of suggest, you know, that one of its core principles is trustlessness, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it, and sort of seems to be premised on this belief that, you know, bad things are coming uh, and only some of us are wise enough to see it. And if you, you know, if you, if you uh, put your trust in, in this, this, this technology, then, then you will be saved. And I think Dean, to your point, there is a kind of evangelical or, or a religious aspect to that, that, you know, that the idea of salvation, the idea of, mm. um, you know, foreseeing doom and and you know the 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 sinners among us who have sinned and printed too much money or or you know uh, de degraded the currency too much and uh and only the few shall be saved I, I do think there is a a religious sort of component to that belief and and yeah i that that rubs my 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 rubs me the wrong way i suppose um uh as someone who believes in society and believes in kind of the the shared brotherhood of of fellow citizens. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that you should believe in society and we should believe in fellow citizens. What we shouldn't believe in is centralization of power up to only a handful of those citizens who then have dictation over who we are. And I think too, like lots of what you just said completely describes the climate agenda. Like we are all doomed unless you subscribe to this ideology, unless you do these things, we are all doomed. So, uh, so it, it, think, to your point, no. yes, it does, but it's a big brush to paint with. That's not, <laughs> that's not how my friend met. Well, no, it is. And listen, I I'm, I'm trying to be kind about how I'm painting people in your industry as well with, these are the traits that I understand them to be right. Max is not a climate extremist or alarmist. You use, you use that, that really, really important language calling when you say wow, climate, we, we Max call, is a climate journalist. Bitcoin maximalists and call them, you know, the same thing. So I don't think, I think okay, a Bitcoin guy. Well, I'm, a Bitcoin Bitcoin guy, guy? But I'm not any of these traits that you were describing. Just like I'm not, I'm not suggesting Max is a climate alarmist. I'm yeah. suggesting the same people on that extreme side of Bitcoin yeah. who Max says he dis, he discussed and he's disgusted with Max, I yeah. believe does subscribe to the agenda that the climate is going to disappear unless we stop using straws. And so we, no. we need, I'm being, no, 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 I'll, no, I'll no, give no, you more no, credit no. than that. We have to also 
tax the people a little bit more, and then we will be all saved. Stop but, using fossil fuels, pivot towards renewable energy resources. Right. All of all of the very important things so our world doesn't burn up into a big ball of flames and Yeah, but I like the little side shots you take at Max too. Hey, we're this is this is a versus, right? We're still in the <laughs> ring here. I I I mean, I don't think that was, was I apologize that was a low blow. I didn't no, I didn't I like it. I like low it. Blows. I like but it. if we can take the extremes on Bitcoin, we should be able to also take the extremes on on the climate. And if you can subscribe, if you can look past the idiots that think those things on the climate side, why can't you look past the idiots that think those things on the Bitcoin side? I think it's interesting that the the quote unquote idiots on the climate side believe that we should price pollution while the idiots on the Bitcoin side think the banking system is going to collapse. I think those are slightly well, different propositions. Like, I mean, like we, we just watched it happen. Uh, was it uh, not even a year ago in the States? We had like, what was it? 40 different banks collapse. That's not the banking system. That is over leveraged banks. One of whom happened to be way too heavily invested in but crypto. The banking system is over leveraged. Like in the, but the banking system is over leveraged, right? Yeah. Like the USA the currently has more debt than assets. Would you call that over leveraged? Uh, no, I wouldn't actually. There's lots of homeowners who are, <laughs> who are on, over-leveraged. More debts than assets is not over-leveraged. You think that the United States banking system has more debt on its balance sheet than assets? The, the United States US banking federal system. Reserve, no, no, no. Verifiably, the, system. the U.S. Federal Reserve has more debt than assets. Yes. The Federal Reserve's job is not to hold assets on its balance sheet. It's not a commercial bank. If you look at the commercial banking system in the United States... Its ratio of assets to debt is, I think, 15 or 16 to 1. The U.S. Federal Reserve, the base... It's not its job to hold assets on its balance sheet, Adam. You're you're asking an apple to be an orange. Who should should hold the assets then? Commercial banks. And and how much U.S. Federal Reserve debt compared to all the assets then? It's underwater, Max. Uh, The banking... The, the entire monetary policy in both Canada and the USA is completely underwater. Yeah. I and mean, that's why we dis- have record agree numbers. To, agree, agree to disagree. And that's not why we have record inflation. We have record inflation because we had a huge supply chain issues uh, out of China during COVID. We had a massive spike in oil and gas prices from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, I, I, I got something for you because you wanted to blame it on the carbon tax uh, in our last conversation. Uh, you wanted to say that the inflation was all caused by by carbon I am, pricing. I'm absolutely of the belief that when you tax, when you increase prices arbitrarily, that prices increase. Yes, that right. is my so, belief. So here is Trevor Toome, uh, pro- economics professor at the University of Calgary, routinely cited by Premier Daniel Smith, by conservatives all the time. He is not a woke progressive in any sense. The University of Calgary is renowned for being conservative. This is what he's written on it. He says, quote, with the latest data, we find that the gradually increasing indirect taxes, including carbon taxes, have caused overall consumer prices to be only 0.6% higher in October 2023 than they were in January 2015. The effect of carbon pricing on rising food prices is even smaller, accounting for the indirect effects of carbon taxes. It's a nothing burger. So this is what the experts say. I would argue, and that's great. If that is the case then I think that's, I think that's fantastic. There are multiple different ways to skew that level of data. And I think that when we, with, with everything, and I think this is where we're going to disagree, where you believe we should trust somebody based on credentials. And I think that we should 
And I think that we should not. I think that we should take that and it should involve our decision-making process to go through and understand, well, what are they looking at? Where are they pulling that level of data? Who is incentivized to put that level of data out? When you look at, like, the, like for example, the U.S. currently states, the U.S. food, the, F, the U.S. FDA currently states that Lucky Charms are healthier than steak. Do you, like, that sounds ridiculous in my mind that processed sugar cereal could be healthier than a natural organic piece of meat that like, that is just like, that is what the experts are saying. When the experts say things like that all throughout COVID, we can uh, agree to disagree on the impacts of COVID all throughout COVID. We had stats thrown at us that were just proven to be wrong by the experts. So I don't think we are in a world. And, and by the way, that's worked for a long time until the decentralization of internet and until the decentralization of communication. Now that we have it, now that we're here, we have a duty to understand and to only take this level of one cited source is not enough. 100 cited sources that you can like walk the chain back to where the origination of the data came from. And I would suggest there is going to be holes there. So that's my belief. I'm not saying you're wrong. If one cited source is saying that it's 0.6, that's the number we can use. However, I personally would reject that because one cited source, like we have one cited source right here that says Bitcoin is going to go up forever. I'm an expert in the space. Do you believe me? Um, I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> so there we go. If we can I take one-sided source. I, with respect, you have a vested interest in Bitcoin going up. You are not an impartial expert. You are not an academic. Professor Toom is an academic at one of our esteemed universities. He has built his reputation out of treating facts fairly. He is, he is criticized by conservatives and by progressives alike. They, he pisses off both sides of the aisle because he relies on the truth. And I want to zero in on your Lucky Charms anecdote. Do you know who that comes from? It comes uh, from no. Joe Ro It comes from Joe Rogan. So I'm citing an academic expert at one of our universities. Well, no, it comes from the and US you're US. citing, no, it came from Joe Rogan. There's a yeah. whole Snopes thing Rogan about it. Uh, and it was proven completely wrong. But of course, that's Joe Rogan. Uh, that's what he does is he, he's, he takes little kernels of information and twists them so that they confuse people and make them think things that aren't true. Um, I'll take Trevor Toom over Joe Rogan any day of the week, twice on Sundays. Sure. I would. So here, let, me, uh, let me just let's let's just do fact checking in real time. By the way, uh, this podcast is brought to you by factcheck.io, the full epistemology of being able to check facts in real time. Who wants Shazam for facts. Everybody does go to factcheck.io. You can test out our beta right now and sign up for the beta test where you can figure it out. But let's have a look at that stake just to Max's point. Let's have a look at the stake to Lucky Charms reference. Uh, this is from a verified website. No government funded food pyramid doesn't rank Lucky Charms as healthier than steak. Joe Rogan and others shared a graph that ranks Lucky Charms as healthier than steak, but a food pyramid endorsed isn't a food pyramid endorsed by federal government. That actually came, that food pyramid came from General Mills. It's to your point. So General Mills said that Lucky Charms is, I was trying to read. Yeah, and, and, and General Mills coincidentally makes Lucky Charms. So of course, yeah. like sort right. of how, you know, and, and isn't that what I'm saying? Respect, sort of how you know you're telling everybody here Bitcoin's great because it's your business. So hang on, hang on. We're not taking like I don't know if we want to run down this example right now, but I think this is an excellent point. How <laughs> we've we've got one sided source on one side saying one thing, we've got another sided source on the other side saying the other things, and okay. we're both choosing which one we like to cite. 
No, uh, I got another one from Political Facts. I've got another one from AP.com. I got another one from, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Unilad Snopes. Snopes debunked that as well in 2023, January 16th. So um, uh, lastly, Ground News, uh, USA Today. Uh, so there are, yeah, yeah, well, just look at this. There are 1,143,000 references to it on the internet. So it's not just well, one source. That's just the one source you brought up just to kind of help you understand where it came from. That's it. Sure. All that to say, I do not think taking a singular cited source from the government of Calgary is an important thing. Just like I do not think that Lucky Charms are healthier than steak. Right? So and if, if it's, are, but but if it, you're telling me that's that's not the case, then that's great. I think it's fantastic. It, it's not the University of Calgary. That's not a thing. It's the it's the or the government of Calgary. Excuse me. It's the University of of Calgary. It's Trevor Toome. It's his academic reputation. It's someone who has built a career uh, out of using the facts to tell stories and and give people the truth. And if we're just sort of saying now, like, well, it's all just your opinion. So Joe Rogan is as much of an expert as this person who spent his whole life no, sort no. of swimming in facts, like. This idea that expertise has no value it is the shortest possible path to, to living living in idiocracy. Totally agree with you. Totally agree right. with you. When, when we get on the plane, when we get on the plane, I want the pilot to fly. I don't want the lady behind me to fly because she feels better about it than he does. Sure. You know. Sure. Hundred percent agree with you. But I do not think that taking experts at their word is the fastest path to sovereignty. I think. Let's 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 weight the experts' opinions much higher. But let's remember they are opinions of the experts, right? We call them legal opinions. We call them opinion pieces. They are opinions of the experts, not facts. They are driven in certain facts that the experts have cherry-picked to probably prove a point. You so you think that Trevor Toome, University of Calgary, is cherry-picking the data here to prove a point about carbon pricing. I'm suggesting, first of all, I haven't read, I haven't read the, the article, but I would suggest that it feels weird that, it, uh, I feel like, uh, did we lose? <laughs> no, I think he's still there. I think he's just in the background. Uh... Okay. <laughs> I feel He's muted. We, we can't hear you at all, Dean. You're, you're completely muted. Yeah, still muted. He's still, he doesn't know we're talking to him either. Um, I, I do believe that uh, I do not trust all of the sources that Trevor Toome is or is not cited, but I would take that as a really credible starting point to do further research and understand where his facts are coming from. Because throughout history, we have seen time and time again that industries like General Mills and like the cigarette and tobacco industries, like the alcohol industries, like the Big pharma, pharma. Big pharma. Bingo. Bingo. Pharma, Bingo. pharma, pharma, pharma 25 times again. Totally agree. We have seen that they can and do pay off scientists and esteemed experts to bias their opinions to get the result that they want. And so, so which which industry is buying off Trevor Toome? Well, I don't know. I up until like like 30 seconds ago, I didn't know that he'd written uh, a piece that claimed that. Carbon so how can you not, how can you disagree with him? Then? Because I disagree with everything in principle until I can verify the facts. 
like that's how that's part of the trustless like we need to have that level of scrutiny man like yeah. The same scrutiny that you have to Bitcoin, I have to the entire world. Yeah, but hold it. Here's the thing is that I don't go out and tell people not to trust those people based on something I haven't read. I'll go read it. Then I'm I'll geek off. I'm not, I'm not saying that you, well, actually you do because you're saying people shouldn't trust Bitcoin. So no, so no, I'm telling you, I don't trust the people in the industry. I'm not telling you, I don't trust the technology. We've well established Okay. That. So likewise, yeah. I don't trust the people who are in the process of telling me the carbon tax is irrelevant. Well, because it's bad for you. It's bad for your business. It's bad for Bitcoin miners. It's going to make it fucking way more expensive. Business. Carbon tax is causing prices to go up, including Bitcoin. All right. Like, if if it costs help, more help money me, to mine Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin increases. It's it's actually very good. Like regulation and and making things more expensive, debasing the dollar is very good for my business. It makes Bitcoin more expensive. I'm not suggesting that I want that because I, contrary to your two beliefs, I do not want the world to disappear. I do not want the world to be in peril. I'm, I'm, I would, I think that the world wants sovereignty and that's what I would like to sell them. Maxie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that higher energy prices directly increase the price of Bitcoin, that Bitcoin goes up in response to higher energy prices? On the macro, the, the protocol of Bitcoin requires energy. And so new energy or energy coming into the Bitcoin protocol produces new Bitcoin. The, the bulk of the cost, something like north of 85% of the cost um, is, is, is energy. Second to that is the actual like machine, the, the computer that mines Bitcoin, and then the facility required to host the machine. But the, but the bulk, like the, the healthy, healthy majority is the cost of energy. So because Bitcoin miners are in the business of mining Bitcoin, their biggest cost is energy. If their cost were to triple, they would no longer... They would either have to turn their turn their Bitcoin miners off, which would result in a decrease in hash rate, or they would have to sell that Bitcoin that they mined for more, which would result in an increase in the price. And you think that, do you, let me just, to be clear, do you think that wind and solar are expensive forms of energy or cheap forms of energy? Very cheap forms of energy, which is why I also uh -huh. believe that the Bitcoin mining industry is going to be one of the single greatest advancements of innovation in those two spaces because they are heavily incentivized financially without the help of the government. They are heavily incentivized to decrease their costs of energy. So then surely you must support more wind and solar energy in Alberta. Absolutely. Yeah. And oppose the government's moratorium on the issue. Yeah. I think the government's stupid. I've, I've made that very clear. <laughs> I, I, it like, yes, governments guys, don't do guys, good things. We need less government, not more government. Did you two just become best friends? No. Lovers, actually. <laughs> Dean, you said it. Love was in the air today. Max and I are about oh, to go meet up for a steak dinner. I think we agreed on one. Well, that's not true. You both agreed that Valentine's is but hang more, on, of, hang a, on. more hang of a hallmark on. holiday. So two things that's today. Two things. I think that all forms of government are stupid. I don't think that only one flavor of government is stupid. Yeah, then you're talking about chaos, and that's the purge, and no one wants that. Plus, there's the other added aspect of your core beliefs being, you know, part of your political belief system as well, right? Like, it's just the way that life works. Listen, I grew up in it. You know, there isn't, there isn't anybody in the evangelical church or the Christian church that thinks that 
the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It isn't going to hell in a handbasket in the hands of secular politicians, right? There, there just isn't. So, you know, core beliefs play something into well, it. That's, that's why I don't that's, trust that's religious politicians, by the way. Like, none. It's true of every faith, though, right? Yeah, the difference true. is the church and the state aren't decoupled in both other faith systems. They need to be here without question. Absolutely need to be here. What we're seeing, this is just a quick side note that I'll let you guys go. This has been a great versus, by the way. I thought, because we did a little dry run yesterday, we had technical issues. I thought we'd be fighting by the end of this thing, but boys, <laughs> I think we're loving. This is a wonderful Valentine's Day podcast. <laughs> but, you know, going back to what we talked about, listen, you know, when I look at the way the government operates, the way people in government operate, and I see people with different core belief systems that think that, uh, government's bad, don't trust experts. It gets my my ears up in terms of apologetics immediately, like immediately, right? And and I hear some of the same tropes. And I would challenge you, just like you challenged us to open our minds up to the technology behind Bitcoin. You've educated me today. And I would hope that we've kind of sharpened our swords with each other this afternoon. And I'd hope you go away from this conversation literally thinking about you know deregulation, your hatred of the government, and then Process that into what that looks like. That's chaos. There's a reason why we have regulations. A reason. And listen, Max is the same as me. We both believe the same thing, I think, which is, hey, strong government, good government for the people in a, in a democratic society uh, can be absolutely beautiful to watch. I think it can be beautiful I, to watch. I really I do. I agree with that. I, think I really so do. That it's a fallacy that you can give one or a small number of individuals that much power over a large number of individuals. Dude, you gave, you gave your entire away. life and soul to one person. No, to a, no, 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 not a person, a God. And if well, you're Jesus, for a Jesus minute, is a man. In gods in no, politics, no, no, dude, dude, I, you, you have discredited everything you had for the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about, you talk about putting all the power into the hands of one man. No, you go to no, listen to one God, dude, and you leave for the very, rest of the very, I know, I know, but you believe in a God and dude, I would encourage you to go through the Bible and look at how many people God killed in the name of love. Sodom and Gomorrah wiped out two whole cities because people were having gay totally, sex. Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. A God who is, who is ruthless, but a God who is also forgiving. And, and that's physics, man. Like, Oh uh, no, no, that, that's not forgiving. That's not when he, when he did, when he wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah, that wasn't forgiving, dude. That was like, these people are disgusting. They're having gay sex. I'm going to light that whole fucking area on fire. And that's because they incurred my wrath. God. And was there, the was God there no the, warning? No, man. The Abrahamic <laughs> God of your faith is the meanest of all the gods. The no, but Dean, Dean, yes. at least he wasn't printing money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've had a great time today. Thank you very much. Max Fawcett, lead columnist for Canada's National Observer, at Max Fawcett on Twitter. Listen, Adam O'Brien is a great educator. I put your stuff through our guy at Hot Wallet. His name's Scotty McGregor. Scott Tree's an educator in the crypto space. He said, this guy's legitimate. He does it for the right reasons. He stays away from the shit coins. If you want to get educated as to the technology, if you want to become a user, you've got a healthy user base. And, and I think you do a really good job of educating people. I really, really do. I've gone through your stuff. Uh, I think I think we have some core beliefs that are very different, but we're here to talk about that, right? We're here to talk about what goes into that thing that takes us into these spaces. Max core beliefs took him into the space that he's into, which is one of the greatest writers, one of the most accountable writers that I identify with. Now you don't identify with him because your core beliefs are different, right? And so 
but I identify with what you're talking about because you're educating me. So we get out of our silos, we sit here and we have a conversation, which is the whole purpose of Versus. Uh, any last words for either one of you guys? I want to say before we go, Maxi, start with you, and then we'll go to Adam. No? I just yeah, appreciate I, you appreciate you giving me the platform and uh, the opportunity to, to have a conversation. And uh, as I said to Adam on my podcast when we did it, I appreciate uh, him being a good sport and explaining things and, and being willing to kind of dust it up a little bit. Adam? Likewise, uh, pleasure to be here. Hopefully we can do it again. And I think it's always interesting whenever I have these conversations with people, we always, I think, want the same thing. And it's just funny that we have different ways to get there is usually mm. it's a disagreement on the path, not the end result, which I always find very interesting. A hundred percent, dude. You know, I said this to someone the other day and I'll end with this and I appreciate both your time as well. I've learned a lot today and I always appreciate me meeting new people and, and uh, Max and I have a, a great relationship, but I will say this is that, you know, we don't, do you guys know who David Foster Wallace is? Mm-hmm. Writer, you know, who David Foster Wallace gave a keynote in t- 2005, talked about getting out of your ecosystem, not looking at, th- at life through this hardened lens of your experiences and what you think you know, right? And what, what I think I know is very different today than what I knew I knew 20 years ago. It, like I knew I knew certain things. I knew nothing back then because I didn't bother to stop and talk to people and learn about it, right? I didn't stop to sit and listen to people. I wasn't interested in the greater good. I wasn't interested in being a good citizen. I was interested in driving a result, right? And that is very different today. The result I want to drive is to be able to have these conversations because I believe Adam O'Brien, Max Fawcett, Dean Blundell want the same thing, right? We want security. We want to be surrounded by good people. We want to continue to get better at life. We want to continue to learn. And boy, oh boy, when we can get outside of those spheres of influence that we are hardened in through our own experiences, this experience is, is it makes me emotional. I got goosebumps, boys. I'm a little weird that way. <laughs> This experience is what more people should be having. We can throw stones. We can have fun. We can challenge each other's core belief system respectfully. We can challenge ideologies. We can challenge what each other say and do. Uh, But unless we start having these conversations respectfully, nothing's going to get better. And this is one place we like to do that. So, Adam, thank you. Max, thank you. Appreciate both of you guys. Uh, Bitcoin Well is the name of Adam's. um, What do you call it again? It's not an exchange. What do you call it? Platform. Bitcoin platform. Platform. Yeah. Um, and listen, he's a tremendous educator. So if you want to learn about the technology, you want to learn about the industry, you want to do business with him, I highly encourage you to get in touch with Adam. Learn about it. Become a user. Educate yourself. Same with Scotty McGregor. Scott's a very, very good man. He'll teach you about what you need to do. And these guys are in the business. They have their scars. And they probably can help you identify maybe some options when it comes to some type of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency that you can trust in. So listen, there's lots of work to do when it comes to understanding it, when it comes to using it for best case scenarios. But I just appreciate you guys being willing to come in today and and have a quick chat. So thank you both. Thank you, Dean. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, boys. Max Fawcett, Adam O'Brien, two good men with differences of opinion. Listen, this world is a little weird, right? Yeah, yeah, we get that. Everybody gets hard in their own space. Everybody decides through, yeah, this is my lens and I'm not going to. No, 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 man. Adam's a good dude. Like I was smiling the whole time. He came in, dude, hostile territory. That gentleman came over and said, okay, let's talk. I give him full credit, full credit. I give Max full credit. I give anybody that's willing to have a conversation with someone who, you know, on Twitter or online, they're like, 
screw you. You're wrong. You're wrong. Watch me pour champagne. No, 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 no. Let's get together. Marketplace of ideas. Let's talk about what you believe in. I'll tell you what I believe in. And let's find that common ground because I can tell you this. Adam wants the same thing I want, right? He does. He wants more money in his pocket. He wants security for himself and his family. He wants to be able to freely generate income, freely generate revenue. And a lot of people do that in Bitcoin. Listen, it is not a shitty little industry. This is technology that is here and it's going to help you and it's going to help banking after we get the riffraff out. And I don't think Adam's riffraff. I think he's in it for the right reasons. So I'd encourage you to go and get educated, get in touch with Adam, go to Bitcoin Well uh, and uh, have a chat with him, learn from him and learn about the other side of that with Max too. Max isn't opposed to it. Follow Max at Max Fawcett on Twitter. Go subscribe to the National Observer. Uh, learn about climate change. Learn about the things that a lot, everybody wants these issues. They want to weaponize them against each other. Man, we don't do that here. We try not to do that here. Anyway, thanks to Adam. Thanks to Max. Thank you all for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. Don't forget, we're brought to you by CanTorque. CanTorque makes rugged, hardworking torque wrenches. Canada's leading industrial tool experts. They offer you the very best in sales, service, rentals, calibration, and maintenance, custom tool fabrication around the world. They do it in Canada for Canadians. CanTorque offers a complete range of services for heavy industry worldwide, nuclear, railroad. If it's a bolting solution, loosening or fastening solution, CanTorque has you covered. Uh, go to CanTorque.com today. Check out their new podcast and a full range of their products, the best torque wrenches on the planet, 20 years of expertise, cantorque.com, new website at Slick. Get in touch with them today. Also brought to you by Muse on the Mic, Canada's only Muse Massage Spa podcast, body rub professional sexologists and educators. They own Muse Massage Spa. Go to musemassagespa.com today. It's Valentine's Day. Probably a busy place. Probably a very busy place. Anyway, musemassagespa.com. But uh, their podcast is tremendous. It's called Muse on the Mic. Make sure you download their podcast and make sure after you download their podcast, you interact, rate, subscribe. They take you behind the scenes. They've also got a Patreon podcast, a little greasier than most. Make sure you go and join them. MuseMassageSpa.com. Muse on the Mic is the name of the podcast. Love those girls. Emily and Riley. Just got an email from them before I started the show, as a matter of fact. And we're brought to you by Gitch, Ed's Fine Imports. Uh, Ed's underwear can be your underwear for all Canadians made in Canada by Canadians. I'm a big fan of Canadian made products. Ed's fine import sells Gitch, the best underwear on the planet engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. Buy three, get one free promo code Gitch three. That is your promo code. Ed's fine luxury branded underwear, barely their fabric, super, super soft, all levels of performance pouch in the front boxer briefs, the best in the world. Ed's fine imports.com Gitch three is your promo code. And of course, we're brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, do you believe? Coming soon, if you're interested in taking part of the beta program where you can put any URL into a search bar and then you will get full epistemology of the claim in the news story, in the social media post, in the video, in the picture. We're here to make sure that we level the playing field and give agency of information back to you. Factcheck.io. Again, go to factcheck.io for more information. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate you being here. Check out that beta test to sign up for today's limited time offer. Very few people are going to get a chance to beta test this thing because we're feeding the machine, but we need real people to help us do it. And the good people at Fact Check are here and they're going to clean it up. They're going to give you agency over the information that you read, watch, and listen to. 
doesn't matter if it's a video or a picture. Factcheck.io. I'm very excited for this. Uh, thanks, everybody, for being part of the show. Really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can get everything we do at Cryer Media, Cryer.co. Uh, Cryer Media YouTube channel. Please subscribe, rate as well. We'd really appreciate that. Review and rate over at Dean Blundell Show on YouTube as well. And again, everything we do across all social media platforms at its Dean Blundell or the Cryer Media. Please follow us there as well. Thank you very much for taking time with us today. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.